clones. You know I am all about Nap Nation and when it comes to sleep. How can you ever expect to get a good night of sleep if you don't have the right pillow? After listening to your terrible phone calls, more sleep may do all of you some good. No more tossing and turning or waking up in the middle of the night. My pillow uses a patented technology that morphs perfectly to the type of sleeper that you are. You create the pillow that's right for you on the website. It's amazing. And of course, it's all manufactured right here in the United States. Each my pillow, each my pillow comes with a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and the best part is you get a 60-day money back guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose. Go to mypillow.com or call 800-985 3307 and use the promo code Rome to take advantage of my special four pack deal. Buy two premium my pillows and get two go anywhere pillows for free. So again, go to mypillow.com or call 800 985 3307 and use the promo code Rome to take advantage of my special four pack deal. You can't blame Mayweather for generating a quarter billion dollars for a spectacle and he told Charles that it's a fight. I'm not going to be a hater. I want to see, and I'm a little biased, I want to see the black man get that money. Welcome to the Jim Rohn Podcast, episode 28. My guest, one of the greatest middleweight boxers to ever lace him up and the oldest champion in boxing history, Bernard Hopkins. B-Hop spent 28 years as a professional fighter, and I feel like I've been talking to him for just about as long as that. He's been my guest on my radio program countless times. He was on The Last Word when I hosted that show. He was a correspondent on Jim Roman's Burning. He did my Showtime program and my first go-round on CBS Sports Network, so it's only natural that he's cracking a mic with me on the pod. Except this time, it feels a little bit different because there is no fight right around the corner. The executioner is not changing his gloss to the alien or looking to give Father Time another standing eight. And I'll be straight. I am excited to find out what is in the next. And I'll be straight. I'm excited to find out what the next chapter is for Bernard. So, y'all pot up. Ep 28 gets spinning right after this word from the heroes of the hardwood, my pals at Lumber Liquidators. It is a new year, and we all want to elevate our game to that very next level and make 2018 the best year ever. Well, if you're a contractor or a builder or a remodeler, listen up, because elevating your game this year just got a whole lot easier thanks to my friends at Lumber Liquidators and their new LL Pro Plus program. LL Pro Plus is Lumber Liquidators' new pro services team that you can call on for all your professional flooring needs. LL Pro Plus will help you absolutely destroy this year with professional pricing and dedicated support to get you what you need when you need it so you can get all your projects finished on time. LL Pro Plus gives you the ultimate value and quality and with LL Pro Plus, no job is too large, no job is too small. So put the flooring experts on your team right now. Visit your local Lumber Liquidator store or simply go to LumberLiquidators.com. That's LumberLiquidators.com. Make 2018 the best year ever with Lumber Liquidators. Let me be real for just one second. You know I hate the voicemail. I hate the voicemail, but I hate it a little bit less than I used to. 
And that's no doubt because somehow it has become just a little bit more listenable. Now, I do not want to wreck a good thing and call attention to an unlikely upward trend, but I do want you to know that I'm noticing a better effort. It is getting better. Let's hope it continues. Speaking of which, if you're listening right now, there is no reason why you should not give this thing a shot. Lob me a call. Seriously, just try it. Phone number is 949-385-0447. Those are my personal digits, 949-385-0447. Listen, if hiccup, just leave a message. That message can be about anything at all. No joke. Whatever you want to talk about is fine. If I do not pick up, leave a message. If it's good enough, it's going to get played on an upcoming episode. You don't believe me? Check this shit out. You have 12 new messages. First new message. Romy, Matt in LA, dude. Chase, too, having to wear it for watching porn with 10 other dudes in a dorm room. What a bunch of pathetic losers. Hey, Stewie, we know you're listening to Romy anyway, so wear that, you porn-watching pervert. Message deleted. Next message. What up, Rome? It's RTN. Hey, man, the Broncos are showing interest in A.J. McCarron as their quarterback. Signing A.J. McCarron would be the worst thing to happen to a Denver since John Denver decided to try to take flight. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Romy, Ryan in Oregon. Hey, there's a theory that every 21 years you, you sort of reprocess what happened prior. You know, you kind of go back to those memories. It's a good time for the jungle. Good time for going back to the beginnings. Resetting some of those cats from back in the day, man. Nick Van Exel, Speedy Franchise, Kenny Anderson. Dude, this is good stuff. Word. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jimmy. Sam in DC here. I uh, just heard the podcast with David Wise. Incredible. Just giving you a shout out. All right, Jimmy. Take care. Message saved. Next message. Hi, Jim. It is currently 4.43 p.m. Mountain Time, which is 4.43 for Winona. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim, it's Caleb. After listening to these voicemails for two months, it's nice to know I'm no longer the saddest and loneliest clone in the jungle. You could fill up a Hooters on Valentine's Day with these idiots. So let me get this straight. Austin Huff was in a room with a bunch of blue hairs, blue bloods, old money, entitlement, people patting each other on the back, and Ashley Judd? Was he at the Oscars or a Kentucky basketball game? I haven't seen so many senior citizens applaud someone they don't even know since Latham Laguna led the Delulite Brigade into the studio during the smack-off and Shape of Water wins Best Picture, a movie about a scaly, slimy, greasy creature who beds a deaf chick because neither of them can get any from anybody else. What is this, the Vic and NoCal documentary nobody asked for? Message saved. Next message. Yo, you're a great man, dude. Keep up the good work. Message deleted. Next message. Oh, yes, Mr. Roan, this is the Deloro family OBGYN. I'd just like you to know I'm lobbing this phone call from my yacht. And I wanted to know if you could pass my sincere thank you to Alvin for allowing me to have such a lavish lifestyle. Message deleted. Next message. Yo, what's up, Ron, man? It's Jason and Ace Town. One more again at you, man. Hey, Golden State, they're a great team. You know what I'm saying? They are. They really are. Man, them boys can't fuck with us, dog. Telling you, cuz, don't hold your nuts on them rockets, man. MSN, Motivated Stoner Nation, man. Out. Message saved. Next message. Hi, this is Andy from Rockland. I just want to say, uh, 
my daughter called me and told me that they uh, transferred the Richard Simmons guy from the Seahawks to the 49ers. And, um, and uh, I'm a huge 49er fan. And I was just thinking maybe, maybe Richard would like my banana bread. You think? Go Niners. Love you. Bye. Message saved. Next message. Yo, Jim Rome, it's me, Charlie, in Brentwood, baby. Man, what was up with OJ snitching on me on TV? I mean, back in the 90s, me and the Juice were counting checks and slicing necks. Message deleted. You have no more messages. Damn. I'm just going to come right out and say it. That's two good weeks in a row. That's two for me. That's a hot streak. And I'm not even sure where to start. Maybe at the end. Charlie and Brentwood. Yo, bro, I'm pretty sure that you and the juice weren't, quote, counting chicks and slicing necks because you don't exist and double murderers do not have imaginary friends. And Andy, Andy, Richard Sherman is the one going to San Francisco. Richard Simmons is the dude sweating to the oldies and chained to the inside of his house by his housekeeper, allegedly. But I'm sure they'd both appreciate your banana bread. We all would. Matt in L.A., you calling Jay Stu a loser is pretty rich. And RTN, FTN, forget the number, especially if you're using it to come in with some weak-ass John Denver smack. But take note as to what's happening here. There is Caleb, the walrus, coming into the voicemails and lighting suckers up. That's a shot at the champ, Left in Laguna, and a former champ, Vic and NoCal. It all but demands a response from some made men who typically wait until the smack-off season to step into the ring. Keep it up. Those did not suck. At least not as much as they normally do. But you know what does? Snoring. Now that I'm on radio, TV, and satellite, you can see and hear me. For everybody who watches me on the CBS Sports Network and everybody listening, pay attention. Saying something sucks, still not a take. Having said that, snoring sucks. In fact, snoring is the worst. You know what's even worse than the worst? Snoring and not doing a damn thing about it. If you're listening, pull over. Park, get a Zipa. You've got nothing to lose except that horrible habit of snoring. Everything on Zipa.com is guaranteed, or you get your money back. It's a win win. Zipa has hundreds of five star customer reviews. And check out the link on Zipa.com to a story on snoring devices from a major news network and see how well Zipa worked. Go to ZYPPAH.com. That's Zipa.com. Zipa is happy Z spelled backwards. Do it for yourself. Do it for the person sleeping next to you. Do it for all of humanity. Why won't you let me help you? Get a Zipa. Stop snoring. Go to Zipa.com. That's Zipa.com. Hollywood is obsessed with boxing movies. We know this. Rocky, Raging Bull, The Fighter, Cinderella Man. But you can stack all those screenplays ever written about boxing. But you can stack all the screenplays ever written about that sport, and they still may not compare to the Bernard Hopkins story. Raised in the projects of North Philly, Bernard was headed down the wrong road. He was a criminal by the time he was a teenager. He was stabbed three times by age 14. At 17, he was sentenced to 18 years in prison. B-Hop found boxing behind bars, and after serving five years, he gets out, he stays straight, and he turns pro, only to lose his first professional fight. But if you know anything about Bernard Hopkins, you knew that he would not stay down. 
And against some absolutely crazy odds, he gets back in the gym, he embraces the grind and the discipline of the fight game, and goes on to become one of the greatest middleweights of all time. I've enjoyed every opportunity to rap with Bernard, and I know you're going to dig this conversation as well. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Bring me up to date. You're still in the game as a promoter. You've got other business interests. But given what that sport meant to you, the sacrifices you made to be great, what was it like when you finally did hang up the gloves? And what was your first year like outside the ring? Well, for me, it was a release. Believe it or not, it was a release that is over the career-wise as far as in the ring. Um, second, it was a, a thing where it's out of my system. When you get things out of your system, anybody that know anything about just, you know, whether it's a rocky relationship, whether it's a marriage or a friend or whatever it is, when you get that burden or that career, good or bad, off your back, you can sit back and take a deep breath, especially if you got things to look back on and say that, you know, you, you, you have a, a, a life that you can live full going forward uh, with your family and the things you want to do. I believe I set a hell of a bar. I set a hell of a bar um, in my career and outside the ring by letting people know that when I when I say live off the interest and stand on a principle, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about things you do now. It's interest for later. And that's in life. That's in finances. That's in everything. I use it for everything. You are clearly looking forward. I get that. I understand that. Let me get you to look back for one minute about your career. For instance, people marvel at Tom Brady and his TB12 method because he's playing at such a high level at age 40, but you were a world champion at age 49. So how were you able to do it at such a high level as long as you were? Are you an athletic anomaly or is it something else? Both all above. Blessed, athletic, and good work ethics. It's not one or two things. It's a combination of things that people know me about. That brought me to this level. So, Bernard, your discipline, obviously, you and I have talked about this over the years. Your discipline is the stuff of legend. As an example, when was the last time you had a drink of any liquor of any sort? In 1986, 1987. um, I was away, so I would say by 1984. Uh, that's when I was um, still in society. And right at, next year, 85, I got incarcerated. So um, I haven't drank anything. And they do have liquor in prison. They make it themselves. Um, maybe not as potent as in society, but they find a way of making something in there. Um, so I've stayed away for almost, no, over three decades. You never actually picked up that habit of a glass of wine a day. I mean, you never, you never, once you got out. No. So why is that? I mean, if anybody could, you could. Why do you not drink at all? Well, one is because my mother and father, Jim, I think I'm at a matter of fact, I know we had discussions about this. Uh, my mother and father exited this life, this world, um, 2000, no, 1998. It was both drinkers, and my father was 58, my mother was 59, and um, they never seen 60, man. I mean, that's young. I mean, um, my father was, was a big heroin user with needles. And he also drank heavy. My mother, more of a drinker than anything else. I know that had something to do with the exit at a young 50-plus years old. I mean, think about it, Jim. I'm 53 right now. I mean, in a few years, they was about to leave out of here. So it was personal more than athletic. Jim, this is before I became anybody of, 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 of historic conversation. But I knew that 
that was something that made them exit this world, help, help them exit this world sooner, quicker than, than, than normal. And guess what? Being a promoter, I'm around all this stuff all the time. Yes, I get people look at me and say, man, you know, you, you, you successful, you know, enjoy yourself, enjoy life. Who said I'm not enjoying life? You were raised in the Raymond Rosen housing projects in North Philly. Can you go back and at least share what that was like? What was it like to grow up like that? It was uh, survival to the finish. It was either the lamb or you the wolf. The lambs didn't get treated well, and I became the wolf. When you see one side with everything, to my knowledge, they had everything, and you see another side is always on a run, always petrified, never wanting to come outside, and if they do, they get stripped down naked. That wasn't the side to be on, and that wasn't the side I chose to be on. So having to fight blood in my system from uncles who was local respected fighters in Philadelphia, and God knows the reputation we had back then of boxers coming out of Philly. I became the wolf real fast. You know, right now they call it bullying, but back then it was called survival to the finish. Inevitably, you were stabbed three times by the time you were 14. At 17, you were sentenced to 18 years in prison for nine different felonies. Bernard, the fact is, I think most of us really, the only thing we really know about incarceration or jail is what we've seen on TV, what we've seen in the movies. How close is that to what it really is? The closest thing to reality, when you look at any TV or movie, it used to call Oz. You remember that, Jim? Sure. That was just 99.9 close percent, close to the real thing. You had one OG on one block. You had another OG on the other block. And, and, and you always have to be able to not only know the OG, but you have to also know the lieutenants and the soldiers. And also you have to know the captains and all that stuff because the same organization that society has in category of order, you do have that in every prison across America, whether you're in the West Coast, East Coast, Midwest, and everybody know they, they lane. You cross that lane, you cross that lane, you're going to lose some lives. And, and that's the same mentality. That's the same mentality. So that, that show is the closest. I've seen movies about prisons. I've seen all that. But that show, that show was closer. The other stuff was Hollywood. Bernard, the year that you were incarcerated, 1984, your brother was murdered and his killer was sent to Greaterford Prison the same time that you were there. You and your brother's killer were in the same place at the same time. Did you ever see him? How did that reconcile itself? That was really real bad. I didn't see him. I wanted to see him, but I'm glad I didn't. Um, The jail was buzzing. He had a community. His older brother was there. I never forget it, Jim. I was on J Block. His brother, I believe, was on C or B Block. His brother was older, respected, just like myself or even more. But Jim, something was going to happen, and they had to get me out of that prison because if I would have stayed in that prison, Jim, Bernard wouldn't exist in the world. Not only in boxing, but mother would have lost another son. But she might not have lost me to the graveyard, but she still lost me to the graveyard of penitentiary. And so, uh, Jim, you know. Glad you mentioned that. That's when I became a man of man because anybody would want it with right sense in their mind, revenge, and the reputation and the respect I had. That's all down the drain if you let a guy walk around an institution and you didn't do nothing to him and he killed your brother. 
And that's why if you look at my record and do your research, I got paroled from Dallas, five miles from Binghamton, New York, but I'm still on the PA side to be under their jurisdiction. They shipped me way up eight hours from Philadelphia, through Scranton, through Wilkes-Barre, all the way up. I didn't see my parents, my mother and them. Well, I didn't see my father in a while, but I didn't see them in years. And, and they couldn't come up there, Jim. She didn't drive. She, my mother didn't have a license all the way until she died. I've never seen her drive. So I basically was shipped way up in Dallas and had to, to establish myself up there because they had a boxing team, Jim. You do your research and see they had a boxing gym in all 48 penitentiaries in the PA system, and I took advantage of them. But I just knew, Jim, that I never was going back as an inmate, not as Wild 4145. If there ever be a book, if there ever be a movie, it will be Wild 4145, the American story, with my mugshot, and I have a black and white picture on my phone, and one day, if I'm in L.A. or wherever you're at, I want to show it to you. Me holding a sign with a white shirt on, Wild 4145 State Correction Institution of Dallas, PA. And then I have the date. I kept that in my phone. It's a reminder where I came from. It's a reminder where not to go back to. That's why I keep these things close to me. If there is a movie, and there should be a movie, who should play you? Curtis Jackson, Slash 50 Cent. My second choice would be DMX. You and I have talked in the past about PEDs in boxing, right? You told me on my radio program once that any boxer who tests positive for PEDs should be Need banned be for banned life. banned for life. Right. And you said their bank account should be stripped. Now, you and Oscar yep. De La Hoya promote Canelo Alvarez. What was your reaction, Bernard, when he tested positive for clenbuterol ahead of that May 5th fight with Triple G? Anybody that go to Mexico and eat red meat or any food, should be aware that they might be tested for any illegal banned substance that any sports commission deem as enhancers. You, you, you have to understand what country you go to. But when you have a track record of athletes who tested for the same uh, type of banned substance that, that, that's being deemed as something that you shouldn't have or as a violation, I look at that as be aware, fighters, athletes, what you eat will be in your blood. Canelo is definitely is a, is a champion. He definitely is a guy that I feel that is respected and know how to work, know how to train, and won't put anything in his body that will make him be one of those cheaters. Why does Canelo deserve the benefit of the doubt? How do we know he's not cheating? We don't know. I mean, we don't know. We got to go by his character. It would be hard for me to even defend if you would say, well, Bernard, nobody else but Canelo went over in Mexico and ate meat and got contaminated. But there's a bloody trail of other athletes who, who went over there and ate and got tested. But if you but, know that, you don't want to go down there and risk that because you can see where people would be skeptical of the tainted beef defense, even if it's legit, right? <laughs> Young people are resistant, man. They ain't taking if they eat something. Every time you go to a restaurant, if I eat this beef, it got steroids in it. If I get tested, then I got some enhancing drug in me. Like, who does that? If you're a professional athlete, you would think but, like that, wouldn't you? But I'm different. That's what makes me different and special than athletes. Because right now, and listen, and I ain't blowing myself, Jim. You cannot look at these. See, I, I get a lot of people spoiled because they look at me and they see the discipline. Me, I'm 53 years old. 
I see jokers younger than me with fat stomachs, man, where they get diabetes, get their leg cut off, get their arm cut off, and they looking at me like, like, like I got a problem. Like, like I'm a martial. That's why I call myself the alien because I get tired of asking people ask me questions on how to do it. So where does that leave Canelo, Bernard? I mean, do you expect that fight to still go off as scheduled? Where does that leave him yes. now? Yes, that fight's going to go off as scheduled. Triple G want the fight. Canelo's going to be ready to fight. It's going to be some distractions because of what happened and what we're talking about. But at the end of the day, they're going to want to see a fight. And at the end of the day, the fight's going to happen. And they're going to make a lot of money and they're going to make history. But I don't think people should look at Canelo as being a cheater. I think that now that it's been addressed and now that it's out there, that everybody's going to be watching. They should be watched. But when you go to Mexico or any other country, foreign country, and you're an athlete, you better check with at least ask somebody at a high, high level, if I eat this meat and you got to trust these people, well, matter of fact, don't even eat it. If I was going to Mexico and I was fighting, I'm not eating no meat. I'm not eating nothing because I want to get tested for enhancing drugs. Right, well, right. Exactly, Bernard. If I'm Canelo, I just stay in San Diego and train like I did last time so I don't risk this, right? I would not be going down but, but, there and eating the meat. But he was in vacation. He was down in vacation. This wasn't, the press conference didn't even start. He would keep, you know, he's a Mexican. Mm-hmm. He goes to Mexico all the time. So he shoots to Mexico. He's with his girlfriend. He's relaxing. He's having a meal. And the meal just happened to be a substance that is banned from boxing. You defended your middleweight title 20 times. That's a record for the division. You moved up to light heavyweight. You won that title at 42. You were the oldest champ in the sports history. I could talk to you about any number of your fights, but I always go back to that win over Felix Trinidad in 2001. The fight was pushed back two weeks in the wake of the September 11 terrorist attacks. Can you take me back? What do you remember most about the week's leading up to that fight, and then the fight itself at a sold-out Madison Square Garden at that time? I, I remember everybody's panicking, couldn't get out, couldn't fly out, couldn't drive out, bridges are closed. But one thing that I do remember, Jim, and Nazim probably told you that, Nazim Richardson, who you know very well, or at least seeing who he is. When 2001, when the planes hit, I just got done running Central Park, and I'm at the lower Manhattan, lower Manhattan St. Regis, changing my clothes. I'll never forget it. And I heard chaos in the hallway, and I heard people saying, get out, phone was ringing. I'm changing my wet stuff. This guy then, it was before 9.30, early in the morning. Now we find out that it was a terrorist attack, and we got to get out of here. Well, where are we going? So I'm like, okay, okay. Now everything settled down, Jim. A day went by, a day or two went by. We couldn't get through the bridge to Philly because they had the bridges shut down and the planes ground. So we was hostage in Manhattan. Brother Nazim said to me, well, brother, what do you want to do? You still got to train because the fight hasn't been called off. We're assuming that the fight was off. But I said, no, this is some of Don King's tricks. Something is happening here. I said, let's go to Harlem or let's go to Brooklyn. Here I'm supposed to be saying that the fight's over with. I stay focused, Jim. It might, acro- it might come across insensitive. But I'm thinking about I got to get ready because we didn't hear anything yet. Until I hear something else, then I'm going to train like the fight's going on under all circumstances. And guess what? Within two weeks, we were fighting again, and I never stepped a beat. You never for a moment thought, to hell with this. I don't need this fight right now. I don't want this fight right now. I'm not doing this right now. You never skipped a beat. Well, well I thought the fight was going to be canceled. Uh-huh. But until I heard that, Jim, I had to go to Harlem or Brooklyn because you couldn't do anything in Manhattan. You couldn't even move around. Right. You couldn't even streets blocked off. 
So, Bernard, several weeks later, what was it like? You go to Madison Square Garden. That's the first major sporting event after the terrorist attacks. What was it like to step between the ropes that night in that ring? It was, it was really good. When I say good in the way of people solidarity coming out, the famous policeman, I'll never forget, singing um, the National Anthem, uh, Jim Brown was there. People that probably wouldn't have came from anywhere else, but because of the biggest event that's happening at that time was my fight. The biggest sports event that had over 20,000 people in Madison Square Garden, out of all places in New York with a terrorist hat, that's attached to my legacy. In the Mecca, and I'm going to argue, in my opinion, Bernard, in terms of your fight career, possibly your finest moment, I mean, did it seem business as usual, or was there something different about that night? Did it affect your performance in any way against a great, great fighter in Tito Trinidad? No, no. It, it made me really be the best that I ever could be um, because I knew I couldn't miss a beat. I knew I was in there with a guy that was, was, was someone that you can't make a mistake on, and I had to be on point at all times. And if you watch it, it's like a... It's like an artist, man, that nobody's doing, nobody want to paint, and he normally got it in his head before he even stroked the brush. I was stroking the brush on that fight, and to me, that was not my best performance, but I think that probably was the best performance of in circumstances by any team or individual sport athlete. You got to bring me up to date on the whole Floyd v. Connor thing. You and I haven't spoken in more than a year. I mean, you were pretty critical of that fight going in, saying that you couldn't believe that a commission would license a guy to box Floyd Mayweather, who had never even boxed professionally before. So, in retrospect, what's to say about Floyd that McGregor was able to go 10 rounds with that guy? Nowadays, I'm not surprised about anything that can, can happen or might be talked about because I know that money normally makes things different but listen we got a we got a guy that's a a good businessman in certain things but he failed in a lot of business uh ventures and he's the president of the united states so when you have a donald trump that's president of the united states and then you got a floyd mayweather fight mcgregor and they sanction it and they make him 300 million dollars i mean we live in a capitalist society capitalist man so so if we want to have conversation then let's have conversation but in reality, we know that when you talk about capitalism and you're talking about why or that shouldn't happen, we got a guy, an idiot, that's right at the biggest seat that you can be in running this country, madman. And, and, and so anything is possible. Anything is possible. So I look at it, Jim, politically, socially, and I look at it through the whole thing. And I think when you look at Mayweather, and you look at this, and you look at that, that was a spectacle. You can't blame Mayweather for generating a quarter billion dollars for a spectacle, and he told Charles that it's a fight. I'm not going to be a hater. I want to see, and I'm a little biased, I want to see the black man get that money because a lot of us didn't get that money from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. You know, when fighters didn't have really nothing that we have a little bit now, just a little bit. But we got a fool at the hem of the table. Anything is possible. So, so I salute Floyd Mayweather for putting the mask on when he came out for that fight. Because he told everybody, I'm sticking y'all up, and then I'm going to laugh at you. I knew what it was. I said he put a mask on because it's a stick-up, and y'all going to have to pay him. I salute him for that. That was a good business spectacle. Not a boxing match, a spectacle. Just like we had right now there at the White House, we having a spectacle. Every day you turn the TV on, 
you see a show. Bernard, what about that? What about the spectacle in the White House? Does it concern you? What do you make of that spectacle? I'll tell you what. He tweets better than me because I, I, I don't have time. I, I, I don't understand. Like, I, I thought I had all his energy. I don't know where the energy come from, but I can tell you one thing, though. Right now, we are a TV show to the world. Jim, we are a comedy show to the world. And being that is very, very dangerous for us. I miss Obama so much. I miss that man, man. Seriously. When you realize what mess that was left on a person based on the time of entering after the Bush era, I mean, Jim, come on, man. Whether you left, whether you right, whether you Republican or whether you're Democrat or whether you're Republican, as Don King would say, I'm a Republican in some of his statements, hmm. whatever that means. At the end of the day, we are the daytime soap operas to the world. We are a daytime soap opera to the world. You know what, Jim? We live in a society that come a long way, but have a long way to go. But we got a lot of problems, man, that move with the times that we live in called up the time, up the space, and they camouflage. But every now and then it raises its, its ignorant, ugly head. Right now, Donald Trump bought the worst that can't hide no more because it's their time. Let's make America great again. You know what that means, Jim? Make America great again? What are you talking about? When they said, let's make America great again, I know what that means. What? My black ass to be back on a cornfield or cotton field or modern day, stay in my place, prison, prison, because that's the new slavery. Be quiet and dribble the ball, as she said. Be quiet and dribble the ball. They forget that they got cameras on them. And their emotions get in there, and the realness come out, and they forget, because every now and then, they forget that their camera's on them. You're going to tell a LeBron James to shut up and dribble the ball. Come on, Jim. Bernard, explain it. Like, when you hear that phrase, shut up and dribble the ball, translate that for me. What is she really saying when she says, shut up and dribble the ball? When she say, when she say to LeBron James, shut up and dribble the ball, to me, translation, niggas shut up and dribble the ball. When a, when a white person says, shut up and drop the ball, Jim, you got to understand, there's a lot of sensitivity here. You bet. There's a lot of sensitivity. This is the wrong time to tell a black man, LeBron James or a regular person, to shut up and dribble the ball. My translation, niggas shut up and dribble the ball. And it's going to take yourself and a lot of the high, respectful people, you're going to lose maybe a fan or two because at the end of the day, Jim, the truth has to be told, man. Hey, listen, Bernard. Bernard, I ask you that question the way I asked you that question because as an African-American in this country, I want to know how you felt to hear that. And you're right. You're going to lose a fan. I'm going to lose a fan. But I think that question does need to be asked. And I think that's a fair question. We know how the first 50-plus years looked for you, turned out for you. How about the next 50-plus? What are you looking at now? I'm looking at to be the advocate for the people in my city that I live in, even though I sleep in Delaware, but I be in, I be in Philadelphia. And Delaware for business, Philadelphia for change. And if I can start here at home, Jim, 
I want to outdo what I did in boxing. But as a civilian, as a businessman, as property owners, as buildings, as I team up with partners, as I use my credibility and my respect that I have amongst the highest of politicians, except for the president, I want to be that voice for those who don't have a voice or who don't have the courage or who don't have the drive but need to be motivated. I want to be them, not to give them something for nothing. I come up and earn minds too hard to give anybody anything just to say I gave it to them. I want to teach a lot of people to fish and how to fish. And being in that mode, Jim, I would never miss boxing that way because all the stuff that's going on now, even as I sit here, whether people are fan or not, whether the minister, Louis Farrakhan, who I speak to twice or three times a year, and we talk about eat to live, not to die, he understands that I don't look at myself as just being a fighter. People introduce me. He's a fighter. He used to be a fighter. I don't get upset no more because I come under camouflage mode. If I'm introduced as a fighter and no one actually follow my history, and if they did, they don't know how I'm going to be when I get on that stage on that cordless headphones and I start talking about finances. I start talking about this and that. And when I leave, I got lawyers, judges, Phil Stern, Eisenberg, Cumminberg, my Jewish friends, all of them come and see Bernard. They didn't expect you to start talking about live off your interests and stand on your principle. Mm. They don't understand when I'm Mazatov and Alahain and I start speaking languages that I didn't go to school to learn because I surround myself around people and I get the knowledge from the cradle to the grave. You know what, Jim? Muhammad Ali inspired me. Jim Brown inspired me. Satchel Paige inspired me. Bill Russell inspired me because they came up at a time when they was getting spit on by the fans that they were trying to win for. If you're keeping score at home, that makes 28 episodes. And if you're new around here, go check out the other 27 because I will put our guest list up against anybody else's. And guess what? The content holds. Don't believe me? Go listen to Dirk Nowitzki talk about his wedding. Or Adam Carolla recall what it was like to take over for Howard Stern. Or Keegan-Michael Key discussing the cock sock. All of that is as great today as it was when I first got it on tape. Seriously, do yourself a favor comb through the archives because there is a ton of great stuff from previous episodes and while you're here make sure to subscribe to the podcast review the podcast and then share the podcast those three things are the biggest ways that you can help us grow the podcast and all of that is so appreciated and while you're waiting on f29 next week check out the daily radio program which airs from noon until three eastern nine to noon pacific on cbs sports radio cbs sports network and sirius channel 213 xm channel 201 we will catch you right back here a week from now thank you again for listening and until next time i am out